Other People's Flowers is a podcast for stories, poetry, and essays. Thank you for listening. This week's work comes from Joe Alcamada. Joe Alcamada is a Dutch citizen living in Long Beach, California. She spent many years riding her own motorcycle through the wide open spaces of the USA, and Pink Sparkle Helmet is based on personal experience. Previous publications include a children's book, Jennifer and Jojo, a novel, Belonging in Africa, and two short stories in an anthology, Short and Happy or Not. Pink Sparkle Helmet You see? Not much to know. Piece of cake. Honest, Brock said. He demonstrated the controls again. Clutch, gear shift, front brake, rear brake, throttle, and told me for the millionth time to relax. This was going to be easy. Not for one minute did I believe him. Ready? he asked. Without waiting for an answer, he jumped onto the seat, turned the ignition key, and pushed the starter button. The Kawasaki Ninja 400 sprang to life. Brock left the engine idling in neutral and scooched up the curved back end. His feet stood solid on the ground and the bike balanced between his thighs. I tightened the strap of my pink sparkle helmet, heaved my leg into the space between Brock and the gas tank, and wormed onto the seat. Sitting up front changed everything. Brock's weight pressed on my back. The now unobstructed view was too vast to oversee. My hands on the handlebars felt like imposters. I seized the throttle, the rubber ridges of the grip biting the palm of my hand through thin leather gloves, and rolled it towards me. The engine roared. Gently, Brock yelled in my ear. Yeah, as if I hadn't noticed. Brock chose this quiet mountain road for me to practice while avoiding the usual six lanes of stinking LA bumper-to-bumper traffic. The ninja's front wheel pointed back to town. I glanced over my shoulder and watched Brock check the road in both directions. There were no cars. I saw that with my own eyes. Lifting my feet onto the peg now. She's all yours. Pop her into first and let's ride, Brock called out with exaggerated cheerfulness. He wanted me to fall in love with riding. He thought I'd take over this machine so he could buy himself the new Ninja 650, bigger and twice as powerful. My pointed toes grazed the ground on either side of the bike. We wobbled when Brock raised his feet, but the bike remained upright. I pulled in the clutch lever with my left hand. My foot fished around before finding the peg, further back than expected, and I tapped the shifter into first gear with the toe of my boot. All right. I released the clutch and twisted the throttle. The bike lurched forward and stalled, tipping heavily to one side. I threw down my leg and pushed back against the weight of the bike. We did not fall over, but it was close. Sweat itched my upper lip. Brock's boots hit the ground. Gently, gently, didn't I just tell you? I turned to glare at him. Did he think I stalled the damn motorcycle on purpose? It's okay, he said quickly. Happens to everybody, honest. Just let the clutch out slow. 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 Here, watch me. He demonstrated, straightening the four fingers of his fist in the air with microscopic movements, as if to demonstrate the skill to someone soft in the head, and give a little gas at the same time. Doesn't need much to get rolling, okay? Here, let me start the bike again. He reached both arms around me and took the controls. I drooped over the tank and made myself small. The side of my helmet rested on the handlebars and the smell of gasoline filled my nose, and the hint of something unpleasant, like scorched rubber, like my own sweaty armpits. The bike coughed to life. I bit my bottom lip and tasted blood. Let's do this, Brock cried. 
Straightening, I positioned my hand on the handlebars again. It took me forever to release the clutch in tiny, slow-motion increments, but then the motorcycle started to move. I duck-walked on my toes with the front wheel pointing straight ahead, careful not to over-accelerate. A slight tug on the handlebars altered the course to a diagonal, and the front wheel bumped over the ridge onto the asphalt, followed by the back wheel, and then the entire motorcycle was on the road. I cranked the throttle open wide and lifted my feet onto the pegs. I was riding a motorcycle. Coolness, Brock shouted into my ear, his helmet tapping mine. Shift up and let's rock and roll. Changing gears on the move was easy, and I shifted through them until a bend appeared in the road and my heart pounded in anxious anticipation, but I guided the bike easily along the curve. I pushed my hips to the outside of the curve and leaned into the tight end, and when the road straightened out, coaxed the bike upright again. I smiled inside my helmet and relaxed the stranglehold of my knees gripping the tank. One smooth mile followed the next. Exhilaration soared through my veins. Brock was right. Riding a motorcycle was easy. The road snaked steeply downhill. The bike tipped forward and gained speed like a boulder dropping down a cliff. A headwind wailed around my helmet and crushed my chest. My fists tensed around the grips. A rusted minivan wheezed its way uphill to the other side of the lane divider. Small faces pasted against the windows stared at me wide-eyed. The wind lulled when the motorcycle drew up to the van and slammed back into it after passing. The bike lurched at a sudden change in pressure and I jerked the handlebars to adjust. The road sloped downhill to the vanishing point and we continued to accelerate. Panic seized my lungs. The motorcycle was out of control. I fought to stay in my narrow lane, the bends tight and close together. I had to slow down. I tapped the brakes and the wheel locked for an instant, sliding dangerously close to a roadside barrier too flimsy to protect us from soaring into the abyss. I pulled the clutch and downshifted with a quick stomp of my foot. The bike bucked from the sudden screeching engine brake. Brock slammed into my back and my arms strained to avoid collapsing under his weight. He grabbed my shoulders and pushed himself upright, leaned over me to cover my hands, pulled in the clutch and bellowed, Shift up now! I did. The terrible noise of the howling engine subsided. He stood over me and steered the bike until the road flattened and only then removed his hands from mine. Brock plopped down on his seat and roared, Son of a bitch, who the hell downshifts on a downhill? My confidence evaporated. Forget easy riding road trips to exotic sunsets. All I wanted now was to park this motorcycle for good. My wrists and arms ached from clenching the handlebars. My butt hurt. My legs shook so hard I wondered if they would bear my weight when I stepped onto solid earth. The road turned towards the coast and the familiar salty tang of ocean air and tall swishing palm trees calmed me. Almost home. On the opposite side, the driveway to my apartment building came in view. A gap appeared in oncoming traffic, and without overthinking my decision, I leaned on the throttle and shot through. The bike bolted across the street, just clearing two cars hurtling towards me. I raised my eyes to see the bike was angled away from the driveway. We were going too fast to correct course. Massive hedges flanked the entry. My brain stopped working. I released the handlebars and pushed out my hands to break the impact. The front wheel ploughed into the hedge and kept inching forward, as if the motorcycle was determined to push through to the other side. Sharp twigs tore at my arms and tiny dagger-shaped thorns grabbed my t-shirt and jeans. I put my toes on the ground and leaned back hard, trying to pull the bike out of the hedge. Switch it off, yelled Brock. Switch off the engine now, for pity's sake. I did not remember how. Brock leapt to the ground and reached into the hedge. 
The engine stopped. He turned to face me, holding the ignition key over his head. The bike was trapped halfway inside the hedge. I tore myself out of the hedge. Tough, waxy leaves dropped inside my shirt and scraped my skin. Thin strips of blood seeped from a dozen patches on my arms. My favourite pair of jeans were shredded. Damn Brock and his miserable motorcycle. I tore off my helmet and gloves, slammed them on the seat and marched to the building. Come on, Eliza, don't be that way, Brock called after me. I whirled around. Brock was shaking with laughter, not even trying to pretend he wasn't. Shut up, Brock. Tears stung my eyes and I blinked them away. Just shut up. You have no idea how terrified I was. Oh, lighten up. You'll be riding like a pro after a few more sessions. I am never, never, riding a motorcycle again. Do you hear? I shouted. After letting Brock's calls go to voicemail and heading to bed early to sleep off my evil mood, I opened my eyes to a new morning and the realisation I might have overreacted. To be fair, Brock hadn't done anything wrong, except the laughter, no excuses there, but I had not needed his help to make a spectacle of myself. An exhaled chocolate milkshake from the corner diner always made me feel better. I picked one up and went to sit on the wooden bench beside the parking lot. It was pleasant in the shade of the magnolia tree. Today was the first day of summer and it promised to be a scorcher. The deep thumping of a motorcycle turning into the parking lot interrupted my musings. It was Kate from the 8th floor. She parked in front of me, manoeuvring the enormous motorcycle backwards into the slot as if it weighed nothing. I was not in the mood to chat and tried to make myself invisible. Hey there, Kate called. She changed her trajectory to my bench. Kate from 8, fabulous girl rider, casually confident master of her own badass motorcycle. Hi, I said without enthusiasm. Are you okay? Kate asked. She looked the part of a biker from her Harley Davidson t-shirt to the thick, silver-studded boots. Not having a great day, I said, eyes locked on my crimson acrylic nails, gripping the milkshake. Well, she said, flicking thick auburn curls away from her face and relaxing against the bench with eyes closed. I got up at the crack of dawn and rode into the hills, tore up and down those beautiful twisties until it was time to descend to the real world. Gorgeous day. It sounded amazing. Do you remember when you first started? Riding, I mean, I asked. Kate nodded. Were you scared? Scared? Well, I guess at first. Handling a bike takes a little getting used to, she wrinkled her forehead. But mostly I was excited. Thrilled. The day I got my own motorcycle was the best day of my life, hands down. How did you learn to ride? Back home, us kids had little dirt bikes and we tore around the hills on them. I messed up a lot at first, but I learned. So when I got my Harley, I rode around the parking lot once or twice and figured I'd learn the same way, trial and error. Whereas I literally don't know how to keep the damn thing on the road, I muttered. She sat up. Cool, you have a motorcycle? We can ride together. Not likely. I swallowed my pride and told Kate the whole dismal story, not leaving out any important details, though breezing over the parts that made me look particularly inept. So what? That's nothing. Listen to this, she laughed and shook her head. The other day I was downtown hanging with friends when boom, claps of thunder and flashes of lightning. I didn't want to get stuck in the cafe waiting out this freak storm, so I sprinted to my bike. It was just a few drops at first. Didn't get far before it came down in buckets. I nodded. Last week's downpour had come out of nowhere. Did you take cover? I asked. That would have been the smart thing to do. But by then, I was stuck on the 405. It was, in a city feared and famous for its aggressive drivers and relentless traffic jams, the absolute worst highway of all. Ouch, I said. Kate nodded. It was bad. She paused dramatically. 
What happened? My engine drowned, cut out altogether. There I stood, in the middle of six lanes of traffic, in a pool of mud covering my ankles, wet to the bone, steamed up sunglasses and a ton of soaked hair stuck to my back, with a million cars honking and people shaking their fists at me. Kate grinned. It was not pretty. How did you get out? Kate shrugged. Things worked out. They always do. Walked the bike to the median and hitched a ride home. Waited until the sun worked its magic and the spark plugs dried out. When I got back, she started without a hiccup. Learned my lesson too. Which is? Kate grinned. Always wear a helmet to keep your hair and sunglasses dry. I glanced to see if she was joking. That's what you take away from all this? Of course. What do you think? Nothing's going to keep me from riding my motorcycle, I assure you. Kate stood up, waggled her fingers in a jaunty goodbye, and pranced into the building. I took another sip of milkshake, but it was lukewarm and melted, and I chucked it into the bin. I dragged myself to my feet and made my way to the sliding glass doors, mulling over Kate's story. The tinny ringtone of an engine revving sounded in my purse. It was Brock. I dug out my phone and listened to it ring two more times before making up my mind. Hi, I said. Are you okay? Yes. Look, Brock said, clearing his throat. I apologise for yesterday. I thought I knew what I was doing, but now it seems this, what do you call it, this riding lesson wasn't planned very well. It had been a circus. I've been riding motorcycles since I was seven years old. Can't really remember what it's like to learn, so maybe I forgot you don't automatically know everything when you start out. Such as not downshifting on the downhill. Besides, you did really well up there in the mountains. Those turns were tight, and you hugged them like a pro, and those hedges? To be honest, even I'd have trouble avoiding them. The way they jumped right in front of the bike. He was laughing again. The whole episode was probably amusing to people who hadn't been stabbed by a million killer thorns and had their dignity destroyed in the process. Eliza? Why don't you come over, I said. Maybe I'll take the bike for a spin round the parking lot. Thank you for listening to Other People's Flowers. Other People's Flowers is produced and edited by Hugo Gibson and Chris Kamalvutitam. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you'd like to have your work featured on the programme, please visit otherpeoplesflowers.com to see our submission guideline. Thank you.